Welcome to the Nashville Vineyard Podcast. For more information, please check us out at www.nashvillevineyard.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you have a great day. My name is David Sherrill, and of course you met Denise for the announcements. Our Sarah and Grant Pemberton, our, our lead pastors, are out today. Um, Sarah's our daughter. Um, they're down, uh, actually ha- they have a family wedding they had to attend. Uh, they're suffering down on uh, uh, Gulf Shores, Mississippi Beach. But uh, in any case, we, we bless them this morning, and the Lord will just pour out upon them uh, even this morning. So... Uh, we're going to start, we're going to read the scripture. Why don't you all stand up as we read the scripture before we get started here? And uh, Denise, here. We're going to be going to Acts chapter 9, verse 1. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas... Look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has the authority of the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? 
And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for this word. We thank you for your presence here among us today. I ask, Father, that, that you would bring power upon this message. I pray, Lord, that you would touch our hearts, that we would be changed by your presence here today. We worship you. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. You can sit down. You can sit down. Thank you, honey. Um, we've been on a, on a series that, that Grant started last week uh, called Encounter. And the idea behind the series is, is that uh, since the resurrection, post-resurrection, Jesus had a number of encounters with a number of different folks. In fact, uh, uh, the thing that's interesting about that, those encounters have continued even unto this day. Cheryl uh, even mentioned how sometimes Muslims uh, will encounter Jesus, maybe in a dream or a vision, and ultimately that's how they come to faith. So Jesus is alive and resurrected, and, and uh, Anne shared from the worship, worship uh, time this morning, she talked about, you know, he's not on the cross anymore. He's not in the cave, he's not on a cross, but rather he's alive and well. He's not a phantom spirit someplace, but Jesus is forever the eternal God-man. And he can and will appear and encounter us as he sees fit. Um, so today, we want to continue in the series. And of course, we're going to talk about uh, Paul, but I really want to talk about three witnesses. The, 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 the scriptures talk about that a thing is, is, uh, uh, is um, a matter is established by two or three witnesses. So we're going to give you three witnesses today. Uh, of course, Saul slash Paul. But I'm going to tell you a little bit of my story, and Denise is also going to come up and share a bit of her story and encounters that we have had with Jesus. I believe that as we speak today, some of you, some of you will be touched by the Holy Spirit even as we speak because Jesus wants to encounter you today. Well, let me start with one thing I want you to see as we go through all three of these uh, witnesses is, is kind of a, a process, if you will. Um, and what happens typically with, with any encounter with the Lord is we all begin in a place of sin, right? We're all born into sin. The, the Bible teaches that. Every one of us, born into sin. And either we're caught up in our own sin, the sins we have, we've done against God, but also all of us have been sinned against as well. And for some of us, we're captured not only in our own sin, but we're actually also captured in the sin done to us by others at the same time. But the good news is that Jesus, the risen one, is pursuing each of us. Each of us. The risen Christ is literally pursuing us. I saw this yesterday. Uh, it was really interesting. I was actually in my backyard, and I was, uh, I was practicing this message preaching to my dog, and uh, which is, you know, he really pays attention. Uh, but, but anyway, I got done uh, with the message talking to Samson, and all of a sudden, and then I, was, I gave the invitation, and, and, 
and he, he thought I was feeding him, but, but he did come forward. And, and, and after that happened, I was praying, and I was just praying. I said, God, would you move? And I was just asking for his presence today, crying out. And all of a sudden, Samson starts barking really excitedly. And I turn, and as I turn, here come two men up, and they're Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay? Now, that, that is a setup, right? And so, basically, I'm just filled with the Holy Ghost at this point because I've been out there preaching and, and praying and so forth. And I, and I, I go over to these guys, and, and they give me their little pamphlet, and I just, like a fire hose, you know, give them the gospel of the kingdom, you know. And uh, it was actually a great encounter. They didn't, they didn't, like, get converted on the spot, but I believe God was, pers- Jesus was pursuing them. Why would they show up to a preacher's backyard? Right? When he's practicing his message. This is how Jesus worked. He pursues us. And then after he pursues us, uh, he leaves us basically with an option to choose. What will we do with what we've encountered? And that's the third part. And that's our responsibility. We have a choice. And the thing about that is not just about when you get born again, that first initial conversion, but literally it's when you wake up each morning, as you walk through your day, Jesus is encountering you. And we can choose to obey or we can choose to not, right? We have that choice. And of course, as a result of those choices, our life and the lives of those around you, in fact, I would even argue the very future of mankind and this planet is affected by the choices each one of us make. Every one of us. So let me tell you just a little bit about my story. Just a a small snippet. I'm fairly old, so it would be a long story if I told it all. In 1985, um, I had an encounter with the Lord. Um, I was raised in the church, and uh, but in my teenage years, I fell away from my faith, and uh, like a number of kids that I hung around with, got real involved in in, uh, alcohol and drugs. And as a result, that continued on all the way up into my 20s. And Denise and I got married in 1984. And in January of 1985, uh, Sarah was born. After Sarah was born, um, I felt, and and it was by encouragement from Denise and my mother, but the Lord was actually impressed on me that, you know, having a child, it probably makes sense to go back to church. And so, uh, so we went back to church, and we found this little Baptist church to go to. And uh, I started reading my Bible, and by, e- or by Palm Sunday, 1985, I basically went forward. You know, they had invitation. I went forward and recommitted my life to Jesus. And the following Sunday, which was Easter, I was baptized by immersion because I'd, I was just sprinkled as a child. The thing is... While all that occurred, and I started to grow in my faith post that, um, by that time in my life, I was 25 years old, I was a full-blown alcoholic. And even though I came to the Lord, and I was seeing growth in my life, I was going to, I was reading my Bible, I was praying, I was, we were in a small group, I went to a men's group once a week uh, with a bunch of guys, uh, leading worship, doing all kinds of things, and growing in faith. Yet I was unable and frankly unwilling 
to give up my addiction. And so I kept it to myself. Of course, Denise knew what was going on and, uh, and, the, and the devastation it was doing to me and to our family and so forth in the background. Well, go forward a few months and we get to January of, of uh, 1986, January, uh, January 1986, the vineyard, which is now beginning to come out of California and spread around, we were living in Florida, uh, was going to do a, a spiritual gifts conference down in uh, uh, the Boca Raton area. And so uh, we were going to go. We were excited. We heard what was going on in the vineyard, and so we wanted to be a part of that. And we go to this, or we're going to go to this, and on January 9th, um, I was working. It was a work day, so I don't remember what day of the week it was, but I know that day. I left my office and went out to my car to go home to get Denise to pick her up so we could go to the conference. And when I get in the car... I shut the door of a Toyota Tercel. Uh, I know which direction it was pointing. I know all this. It's, it's, so, it's visual today. And when I did, the Lord spoke to me, not fully audible, but like an internal audible voice in a way that I can't hardly describe, but I knew it was Jesus talking to me. He was encountering me. And this is what he said. He said, David, you're on a fence and you're going to go one way or the other. And I knew that he was putting his finger exactly on that spot that I was struggling with in my addictions. So I drove home and I got Denise. We went to the conference that night. I didn't say any of this to her. <laughs> I kept it to myself because I wasn't sure what to do with it. And uh, we go to the conference. And uh, that night they had the worship. And after the worship... Uh, a man's on the right-hand side over here. He stands up and he says, I feel like the Lord has said that there are, are two, two men here struggling with alcohol addiction. One's an old man, one's a young man, and the Lord wants to set you free. And he barely got that out of his, his mouth, and I just, no invitation, I just go to the front. Because I knew, God was set up. See, Jesus had pursued me. And what happened is I go to the front, I fall on my face, I spend the next hour plus shaking and baking, flopping on the floor, tears, snot, everything flying as I was delivered of the demonic, alcoholic spirit that had bound me. It's hard to describe. And all of a sudden, after that time, I kind of opened my eyes and looked up and circled around me were the four guys that I met with in my small group and my pastor. No one laid a hand on me. They were just standing around me. I, I presume they were praying. I really don't know. And I just looked, there they were. And let me tell you, that encounter with Jesus changed everything in my life because when I got up, I was free. I was so free that, you know, I chose not to have any drinks, but I can tell, I could, I, could, I could have a drink today if I wanted to, I'm that free. I don't because I don't want anything which will inhibit my sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Honestly, that's why I don't drink now. It's not because I'm, an, I, I'm, I'm not an alcoholic anymore. I mean, my body chemistry was changed. This is what an encounter with Jesus can do in your life. And the last part of that is, I'll, and I'm going to move on to Paul, but again, I had to choose, right? So Jesus comes after me. I'm in my sin. He comes after me. 
But I had to respond to the call. When that word from that man came forward, I had to beeline it to the front. I had to lay out and repent before him. And that was my part. And because of that day, everything in my life, I mean, I wouldn't be speaking here to you today, right? Everything changed. And you can, my wife will testify. Talk to her. Okay. Let's look at Paul. Now, Paul, we read that story about Paul. Now, the thing that's great, and we'll call him Saul for a moment here. I may go back and forth. You know who I'm talking about. But Saul was a religious Jew. I mean, he studied the scriptures. He studied under Gamaliel. Um, do you have that, that passage, those two couple passages? Um, he talks about, uh, yeah, even he testifies to himself later in the book of Acts. He says, I was, I'm a Jew born in Tarsus of Sicily, but brought up in the city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers. Zealous for God as all of you are today. He was, I mean, every time the doors opened at the church, he was there. He had the biggest Bible in the church walking around. He, he studied the scriptures. He was passionate about his faith. But for whatever reason, he was blinded to who Jesus was. He could not see that this resurrected one was, in fact, the Messiah, the one he so longed for. He was steeped in his own sin. Frankly, I suspect, and he kind of testifies to it because he says, I count it all as rubbish compared to, to knowing Christ. In other words, all that work, all that effort, all that, he says it means nothing for the riches of knowing my Lord, Jesus. This is a religious man. But Jesus encountered him on the road, right? So Jesus pursued him. We don't know if, if, if Jesus had been whispering to him before, like he spoke to me in the car. We don't know. See, there's nothing in Scripture about that. But what we do know is he's on his way to Damascus to rope up some Christians to take back to Jerusalem to persecute or even murder. And here comes Jesus in a light shining about him, and he's on the ground, struck blind by the Lord. Now the story continues, and as the story continues, you have... Uh, you go on in terms of uh, he goes to he gets taken to Damascus, but ultimately I like the part about uh, with Ananias and let's see if that Acts nine ten is that can you go ahead and scoop forward to Acts nine ten there you go now there was a man there was a disciple he's a Christian in Damascus called Ananias and the Lord Jesus comes to him and he says Ananias here I am Lord and he says Rise and go to the street called Straight at the house of Judas and look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Now Ananias is a believer like us. And Jesus comes to him and what he's saying is, hey, go down there and find this guy. You know the guy who's basically been roping up Christians to go kill him. He has a choice. Jesus has pursued Ananias, and he has a choice. Will I do what Jesus says or not? In fact, he argues with him a little bit, right? He's like, Jesus, do you really want me to go over there? You know what this guy does. But he does. He goes. He goes. And he lays hands on Paul, 
And then, then Paul receives the Holy Spirit and he's baptized. Now again, in the life of Paul, what happens is you have two people. They're both encountering Jesus, Ananias and Paul, or Saul, then Paul. They both make a choice to follow. They have an encounter with Jesus. They're steeped in their sin. Jesus encounters them. They, they choose to do what God says. And what happens? Everything changes. One encounter with Jesus, everything changes. Paul, he goes forward. He basically becomes the apostle to the Gentiles. He writes two-thirds of the New Testament. And we're talking about him today. Ananias, we don't hear more about him. But you know what? This church is here because Ananias is obedience. Right? Had he not gone to Paul and done what Jesus said, would Paul have come to faith? We don't know. Maybe God, Jesus could have sent somebody else. But you know what? Ananias gets a reward for us sitting here today. He did what Jesus said. We have choices, brothers and sisters. We can partner with Jesus Christ to accomplish his mission. I'd like to uh, have Denise come up at this point. I'd like, I'd like uh, her to share the third witness. I gave you my encounter. We talked about Paul, and I want her to share a bit of her testimony and her encounter with Jesus as well. Oh, boy. <laughs> 1985, long time ago. <laughs> yes. So uh, David and I had been married, um, and we had had two children by that time. Our youngest, Sarah Elizabeth, had been born. Uh, we were involved in a, a youth group, I mean, in a, excuse me, a home group. It had married couples, and they had little children, and so we all would gather. It was so much fun. One evening, we were having our home group, and, um, you know, the kids were playing, and the, the, the couples had split up, and the guys were in the kitchen praying. Anyway, they were in the kitchen praying, and uh, us gals were in the living room, and we were sharing and talking and praying together. And I had felt these, um, what looked like heaviness on my, what felt like heaviness on my arms. It was just really dramatic, and it had happened before. And I was really new at all of this. And so I really was, I had no understanding of what was going on. But I, it had happened before. And I shared it with one of the gals. And I said, hey, you know, every time we pray, I feel this pressure on my arms. And she said to me, you know, Denise, I don't know what that is. But maybe you should call the pastor on Monday and talk to him about it. And I'm like, okay, that, that sounds cool. And she really did talk like that, by the way. Um, and so I'm like, okay, that's cool. I'll do that. So I talked it over with David. And... On Monday, I made the decision to call the pastor. And I could have just said, ah, oh, well, forget it. It's no big deal, whatever, whatever. But I did. I went ahead and I decided to call the pastor. And he, the following day, I showed up. And um, I told him, I said, look, this is what's going on when I pray. And he knew exactly what it was. And he said, hold on a second. So he picks up the phone and he calls his wife. And another prayer warrior, godly woman, and they all come in, you know. And so we're sitting there, prim and proper, and, um, you know, very nice. We're in the pastor's office where God meets him, you know. So we're all prim and proper. And um, I begin to tell them my story, sorted 
with sordid details of the abuse that had been inflicted upon me as a baby and as a child and as an adolescent. And I just begin to pour this out. And my pastor, who's a very wise man, he says to me, he says, um, Denise, have you forgiven your father? And I'm like, forgiven him? You know, because I thought, you know, this the power, you know, there's power in unforgiveness. So I'm going to hold it forever, you know. And, uh, but then he went on and continued to tell me, Denise, you know, it's not a feeling. It's an act of your will. And it's an act of your will every day. And uh, I thought about it for a second. And I thought about how Jesus had forgiven me of my sin. And I said, okay. Again, choice number two. I said, okay, I'll, I'll forgive. I'll forgive my father by an act of my will. And so these nice little people, godly, lovely people, were sitting there. And he says, all right, let's begin. And so they started to pray for me. And a couple of hours later, we were on the floor. The furniture was all over the place. I mean, they were all sweaty. And I was like, you know, and it was just, it was an awesome deliverance of the, uh, the things that had plagued me since I could remember. And in that moment of, in that moment of, of peaceful of rest before the Lord, as I lay on that ground, I had, I, I had a vision of what looked like the cosmos. And as I was gazing upon the scene that was before me, and I can't even explain it, even those words don't do it justice, but as I was gazing into that, the, I heard the audible voice of the Lord. And he said to me, he said, my child. And at that instant, at that nanosecond, something shifted in time. Something shifted in the atmosphere. Something shifted in me. And I knew who I was. I was his child. But not only that, ladies and gentlemen, I knew who he was to me. He was my father. And that's something I carried forward no matter what happens, no matter what people say about me, no matter what I look like to you, no matter what I look like to me, I know who I am. I'm his child. I'm his child. On a side note, I lived this forgiveness to my father day in and day out. And 20 years later, I get a phone call from my father from Puerto Rico, because I'm Puerto Rican. I got a phone call from my father from Puerto Rico, and he says, Denise. And I said, hey, father, because <laughs> I didn't know what to call him. And he said, I want you to forgive me, and I want to give you my blessing. And I broke down. And it was my joy. It was my delight at that moment to say, dad or papi, I forgive you. I forgave you 20 years before, and I've been praying for your salvation. And I put to you right now, ladies and gentlemen, therein lies the real power. Not in unforgiveness and holding grudges, but in releasing and forgiving. Because the devil didn't win that day back in 1985. He didn't win. Oh, nay, nay. He did not win. Because guess what? It came around full circle. 
And now I, when I get to heaven, my father, my earthly father will be there waiting for me. The devil didn't win. Therein lies the power. Amen. So I had a choice. I had a choice to forgive my father. You always have choices. The Lord always pursues you. Thank you, Father. Yes. Where am I going with this? So I'm going to leave you with this because the Lord gave me this. This is really cool. Um, as, I was, I was, as I was lingering in this moment in time and thinking and worshiping the Lord and praising him for saving me, for calling me his child, for, for releasing that life into me, um, I had a, a sense of what it's going to be like when I get to heaven. And I saw myself running, and I had a crown in my hand as I bust through the doors of heaven on that sweet by and by, okay? When I get to heaven, busting through those doors with this crown, and I'm going to say, Daddy, Daddy, I'm home. I'm home. And he's going to turn and he's going to say, and I'm going to hear it again. I'm going to hear it again and it's going to ring through those cosmos. And I'm going to hear the words, my child. You've heard three testimonies. You know, you, you heard mine. I was, I was bound in sin and addictions. We talked about Paul. He was bound to religion. He thought his religious activity was what was sufficient. But it's not. It's about a person. It's about Jesus. And you heard about Denise's story. About bondage to unforgiveness and shame and pain. She didn't share her story fully because we have limited time. But let me tell you, it's a miracle of God what she shared with you if we expanded the story beyond what you can imagine. But God, Jesus, Jesus pursued her in that place of pain and she chose to forgive. So the question I have for you all today is, you know, where are you? There's somebody here I know that has not truly encountered Jesus. I know that's true. You can today. His arms are open wide. He's here. He's alive. There are probably several people here struggling with sin habits of some sort, right? Whether it's addictions, whether it's just sin habits. And you've been walking through the motions and you're, and you're a believer, but you're bound. You can have freedom today. I'm telling you, today you can have freedom. And undoubtedly, because most of us struggle with unforgiveness, there's somebody or many of us that have those issues to contend with. And you can be set free by the words of your lips to proclaim forgiveness over those who've harmed you.
Where are you today? I'd like to extend an invitation for you. Here's, I, I went through the process of this intentionally because all of us, everyone in here, all of us, have found ourselves in one or all of these places, right? Jesus, the fact that you're here today tells me Jesus is pursuing you. The Lord may have spoken to you last night or this morning as well, for all I know. But I know this. He is here now, right now. And you can have freedom. And so the altars are open. We can pray with you. You may want time alone. It doesn't matter because you're going to meet with Jesus. You will meet with Jesus. He's here now. And so as we sing this, and you feel like this is stirring in your heart, and I know it's stirring in a number of you, come forward, receive, be set free. Everything, everything in your life can change with one encounter with Jesus. And not only in your life, but in the life's the generations to follow you. Sarah is a pastor of this church with Grant, right? Where she is today is our legacy because of our choice to follow. And the same can happen in your life as well in your generations to follow. So let's worship. The altars are open. Come forward. Meet Jesus.
one of the things that we all battle with in responding to him is, you know, sometimes it's the, just the fear of change. You know, I mean, I've lived this way for so long. What's it going to look like? You know, what are my friends going to think? I can tell you it, he's good. He, he's just good. And, and, you know, the stories the, 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 that we told you may be a little intimidating because they're pretty wild, right? And a lot of times our encounters are quiet with him. Sometimes they're loud, sometimes they're quiet. But don't, don't pass this moment by. If, if God is stirring your heart today, look, I don't want to twist your arm, but I'm just telling you, Jesus is here. Do you want to reject him? Because, or do you want do you want to receive what he's got for you? You have the benefit of it today, but it's your choice. It really is. It's your choice, and he is good. Don't let it pass you by. If your heart was touched by what you heard today, it's because Jesus is wanting to do something in you. Father, I pray that you'll continue to work in your people here today, tonight, and the hours to come. And I thank you that you are a God who pursues. You're relentless in your pursuit of us, your people. And your heart for us is for our good. Your heart for us is for freedom. Your heart for us is for passion for you. And so, Lord, we, I declare your passion to fall on your people. I declare freedom over your people in the name of Jesus. Lord, bless your people, we pray in Jesus' name. For all upcoming events and more information about the Nashville Vineyard Church, please check us out at www.nashvillevineyard.org. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great day.